Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of carpal tunnel syndrome, found under the orthopedic section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 39-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician's office due to pain and numbness in her hand. The patient reports that the pain is worse at night and when her hand is outstretched. To relieve the pain, she shakes her hand or places it under warm, running water. She says her symptoms mainly affect the first three digits of her hand. She denies any recent injury to or pain in the hand or neck. On physical exam, she has normal range of motion of the neck and arm. She has two plus bilateral biceps, triceps, and brachioradialis reflexes. She has a positive Phelan and Tenel test. This is a case of carpal tunnel syndrome. Now let's move on to a brief introduction of carpal tunnel syndrome. Clinically, it is defined as a compressive median nerve neuropathy. In terms of epidemiology, remember that it exhibits a bimodal distribution of 50 to 60 and 70 to 80 years of age. Risk factors include female gender, obesity, pregnancy, hypothyroidism, rheumatoid arthritis, dialysis-related amyloidosis, and repetitive use of the hand or wrist. In terms of etiology, it is due to increased pressure within the carpal tunnel. To understand the pathoanatomy, remember that under normal anatomy, the carpal tunnel contains digital flexor tendons, the flexor pollicis longus tendon, and the median nerve. The pathology can then be due to one of two things. First, and most commonly, synovial non-inflammatory fibrosis and thickening leads to median nerve compression. But also, compression can lead to microvascular insufficiency, causing ischemic damage to the nerve. In terms of prognosis, in mild to moderate cases, there is spontaneous resolution or response to conservative therapy. Moving on to the presentation, remember that symptoms include pain or paresthesia in the median nerve distribution, and remember that this distribution includes the first three digits and the radial half of the fourth digit. Patients may also have symptoms that are typically worse at night, and they may experience weakness or hand clumsiness. On physical exam, one may elicit the symptoms with different provocative tests. For the Phelan tests, the patient flexes their palm at the wrist. If they experience pain or paresthesia in the median nerve distribution, then they have a positive test. For the Tenel test, the clinician may percuss over the course of the median nerve. If the patient experiences pain or paresthesia in the median nerve distribution, then the test is positive. With regards to other studies, remember that the diagnosis is typically made clinically. However, it can be confirmed by nerve conduction studies. These nerve conduction studies may also be indicated when contemplating surgical decompression. An electromyogram may also be performed and is typically used to exclude other etiologies such as polyneuropathy, plexopathy, and radiculopathy. In terms of a differential, remember to think about cervical radiculopathy compressing the C5-C6 nerve roots. However, the distinguishing factor here is patients having neck pain, worsening symptoms with head movement, and pain radiation to the shoulders and arms. Patients also have reduced biceps, brachioradialis, and triceps reflexes. For treatment, several options are available. Conservative treatment options include splinting, which is indicated to improve mild carpal tunnel syndrome symptoms. Medical treatment options include corticosteroids, which may be given orally or injected, and they are indicated to improve mild carpal tunnel syndrome symptoms. Operative treatment options include surgical decompression, which is indicated for severe median nerve injury. This is reflected by nerve conduction studies, 
that may demonstrate severe axonal degeneration or needle electromyography. And remember that complications from carpal tunnel syndrome are rare. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to carpal tunnel syndrome, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 27-year-old woman presents to the emergency department after falling while rollerblading. The patient states that she tripped over a stick, fell onto both hands, and has numbness and tingling in her fingers. Notably, she had these symptoms about one week prior. However, she states they are currently worse. The patient works at a coffee shop, is sexually active, and uses a vaping pen. Review of systems is notable for a recent weight gain of 25 pounds, nausea, and increased food sensitivity that triggers headaches and nausea. She also states she has had increased emotional lability lately and feels very down at times, though she denies any thoughts of self-harm. Her temperature is 97.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.4 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 122 over 82. Pulse is 85 beats per minute. Respirations are 15 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam is notable for a normal cardiopulmonary exam and an obese body habitus. Numbness is noted in the index and middle finger and thumb of both hands. Laboratory values are ordered and demonstrate a hemoglobin of 14 grams per deciliter, hematocrit of 41%, leukocyte count of 6,780 per millimeter cubed with a normal differential, platelet count of 166,800 per millimeter cubed, and serum studies show a sodium of 139 milliequivalents per liter, chloride of 100 milliequivalents per liter, potassium of 4.3 milliequivalents per liter, bicarbonate of 24 milliequivalents per liter, a BUN of 20 milligrams per deciliter, glucose of 129 milligrams per deciliter, creatinine of 1.1 milligrams per deciliter, beta HCG of 10,400 milliIUs per milliliter and calcium of 10.2 milligrams per deciliter. A radiograph of the wrist is performed, which does not demonstrate any appreciable fractures or dislocation. Which of the following is the most likely etiology of this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are, choice one, diabetes mellitus. Choice two, hypothyroidism. Choice three, lunate dislocation. Choice four, pregnancy. Or choice five, scaphoid fracture. The best answer to this question is choice four, pregnancy. The patient is presenting with weight gain, nausea, vomiting, and elevated HCG and carpal tunnel syndrome given her numbness over the index finger, middle finger, and thumb of both hands. Given her HCG and onset of symptoms prior to trauma, her carpal tunnel syndrome is likely due to pregnancy. Carpal tunnel syndrome presents when there is increased pressure in the carpal tunnel, which compresses the median nerve. Patients will present with weakness or numbness in the middle finger, index finger, and thumb. There are many etiologies of carpal tunnel syndrome, however, it commonly occurs in pregnancy. Hormonal changes in swelling of the synovium in pregnancy can lead to this syndrome. The diagnosis can be confirmed with electromyography. Treatment in pregnancy is wrist splinting and rest. Non-pregnant patients can be treated with NSAIDs and possibly surgical release of the flexor retinaculum in refractory cases. Her radiograph does not demonstrate any appreciable fractures or dislocations. 
Such a radiograph in the setting of symptoms in the distribution of the median nerve suggests against a diagnosis of a fracture or dislocation as the etiology despite the patient's trauma. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Diabetes mellitus can cause carpal tunnel syndrome. The patient has an elevated blood glucose. However, given the recent onset of symptoms, the elevated HCG and the increase in human placental lactogen, which naturally occurs during pregnancy inducing insulin resistance, which can worsen glycemic control, pregnancy is a more likely etiology of her symptoms. She may have gestational diabetes. However, there is not enough information to make this diagnosis. Choice 2. Hypothyroidism can cause carpal tunnel syndrome and would present with fatigue, weight gain, bradycardia, and depression. This patient's constellation of symptoms and weight gain is more attributable to pregnancy. Choice 3. Lunate dislocation could compress the median nerve and would cause symptoms of carpal tunnel syndrome. It would present on radiography with the spilled cup of tea sign. Reduction is necessary, either closed or open. Choice 5. Scaphoid fracture would present with a radiographic fracture in the scaphoid bone or with the normal radiograph since often these fractures do not present on radiography initially. It would present with pain over the scaphoid bone, an anatomic snuff box, and would not compress the median nerve. Finally, a bullet summary. Pregnancy can cause carpal tunnel syndrome. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 23-year-old woman presents to the physician with complaints of pain and paresthesias in her left hand, particularly her thumb, index, and middle fingers. She notes that the pain is worse at night, though she still feels significant discomfort during the day. The patient insists that she would like urgent relief of her symptoms, as the pain is keeping her from carrying out her daily activities. On physical exam, pain and paresthesias are elicited when the physician percusses the patient's wrists, as well as when the patient is asked to flex both of her palms at the wrist. Which of the following is the most appropriate initial step in the management of this patient's condition? And the answer choices are, choice one, corticosteroid injection. Choice two, electromyography testing. Choice three, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Choice four, splinting. Or choice five, surgical decompression. The best answer to this question is choice four, splinting. This patient with pain and paresthesias in the median nerve distribution and positive Phelan and Tunnel test has carpal tunnel syndrome, which is initially managed with splinting to improve mild symptoms. Carpal tunnel syndrome is a compressive neuropathy of the median nerve caused by increased pressure within the carpal tunnel, which contains the digital flexor tendons, the flexor pollicis longus tendon, and the median nerve. Risk factors for carpal tunnel syndrome include female gender, obesity, pregnancy, hypothyroidism, rheumatoid arthritis, and repetitive use of the hand or wrist. Patients experience pain or paresthesia in the median nerve distribution, which includes the first three digits and the radial half of the fourth digit of the hand. Two provoking tests may help diagnose carpal tunnel syndrome on physical exam if the tests elicit pain and or paresthesias in the median nerve distribution. First is the Phelan test, in which the patient flexes both hands at the wrist, and the second is the Tennell test, in which the physician percusses over the course of the median nerve. Initial treatment of carpal tunnel syndrome is splinting, followed by medical management with corticosteroids, and finally, surgical decompression for severe median nerve injury. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. 
Corticosteroid injections are indicated to improve mild carpal tunnel syndrome symptoms if the initial conservative management option of splinting proves to be ineffective. Choice 2. Electromyography testing is used as a confirmatory test for the diagnosis of carpal tunnel syndrome, which is primarily made clinically with the patient's history of symptoms and the physical exam. EMG is not routinely performed as the first step in management in patients with a classic presentation of carpal tunnel syndrome, as it is indicated in refractory or ambiguous cases. Choice 3. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs are not effective in the management of carpal tunnel syndrome, as the symptoms are caused by nerve compression rather than inflammation. Choice 5. Surgical decompression via release of the flexor retinaculum is reserved for severe median nerve injury, reflected by nerve conduction studies, such as findings of severe axonal degeneration or needle electromyography. Finally, a bullet summary. Carpal tunnel syndrome is initially managed with splinting. That's all for this review about carpal tunnel syndrome. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.